Hello, and welcome to Living Out Loud. I am Laura, and I am here to share my colorful journey with you. So sit back and get comfortable, because we got lots to talk about. Hey there, and welcome to today's episode where we are going to be talking about advocacy. I was speaking with a friend yesterday, and she brought up something that I hadn't thought about or necessarily connected all the dots to, but what she said was very profound. If you are a person that does not have a person in your life that is special needs of some sort, whether they identify differently because of LGBT, whether they have a chronic illness, whether they are autistic, whether they're handicapped in any sort of way, whether they have any sort of health condition that requires them to be a little bit different and requires special precautions. Um... It is very clear and evident to the ones of us that do when people in the world have family members that don't. You can see that they don't have the same struggles. You can see that they think that things are a lot easier. So today I'm going to talk about advocacy in many, many different forms. Um, I do have special people in my life. I have a cousin that is permanently um, mentally and physically disabled. I have a child that is on the autistic spectrum. I have a chronic health condition and so many more different things. Um, So one of the things I feel that I can speak very intelligently on is um, patient advocacy. Um, Now, the reason I think I can speak on this pretty well is I am 46 years old and I have had 15 surgeries. And that doesn't count exploratory surgeries where I was still put out and required the sedation and everything. And um, my surgery started in second grade with tonsils. Then in fifth grade, um, I important to know, I was a military brat. So even though my parents were divorced, I was getting most of my care on military bases. And at this time, we lived in New Jersey. So a lot of this took place at Fort Monmouth. Um, However, I was having dental surgery when I was in fifth grade while I was awake with just local anesthetic and nitrous oxide. That is right. On a fifth grader, they gave surgery where they drilled up into my sinus cavity. I can just imagine how fun that was for the poor dental assistant. I needed an advocate to tell them not to be doing that to me. Uh, Clearly, that was I I still have torturous, I'm scared to death of the dentist at this point because of that event. Um, Now, the funny story related to that is I went to Williamsburg, Virginia on a fifth grade class trip, and because of the surgery, I had a massive purple eye. The blood was absolutely horrific in it. So um, Williamsburg, Virginia, we were going to, you know, the medicine shop. They did offer to put leeches on my eye. And you could just imagine a fifth grader and what was said by the whole bus full of students the rest of the time, like a leech girl. Um, You know, fun things like that. Then, um, while they were doing the surgery up into my sinus cavity, they kept bumping up against something on the corner of my mouth. So, in fifth and sixth grade, I also had surgeries to remove 
a trichoepithelioma, which was on the corner of my mouth. This is normally something that grows on your head. However, mine was on my face. You know, I'm a little bit unique, as my uh, doctors like to say. I do not present normally. Um, But I required two surgeries for this one, hence why I have uh, my lips are a tad bit asymmetrical. Now, in when I was 15, I was diagnosed with ovarian cyst. That was not a surgery, but let me just tell you, that was not a fun um, situation to go through, and I did not enjoy that and wish I had a better advocate then. Um, I hope that I will teach people to be better advocates for themselves. However, at 16, when I was in 11th grade, I did have four impacted wisdom teeth removed. That is when we found out that I do not do well with Versed. When I come out of Versed, I'm basically hysterical, clawing at myself. So no Versed for me. In 1997, I had an emergency C-section after a pretty grueling labor story, which we can talk about at another time, because that in and of itself um, required a lot of advocacy. In 1999, at the age of 23, I had my second C-section after a failed um, VBAC, which is vaginal birth after cesarean. Um, I also had a beautiful tubal ligation at that point. So at 23 years old, I had a tubal ligation, if that lets you know how sick I get when I uh, am pregnant. Um, in In 2005, sorry, I had my very first kidney stone surgery. In 2014, I had a partial hysterectomy where I kept my ovaries, but they removed my tubes. Um, I also have my cervix left because I have the cervix of Fort Knox. (laughs) Like I said, we'll discuss that in another episode. Um, In 2019, you know, I told you it started not feeling so hot in 2018. Well, in 2019, things got pretty bad, and I did end up having kidney stone surgery. I had 13 kidney stones removed from my right side. I ended up being a little bit septic related to um, a kidney infection. I can't imagine why, and all the nurses will appreciate that little bit septic. (laughs) Um, And that's when I was also diagnosed with hypercalcemia. And then 2019, I still wasn't feeling well. So in September, they finally figured out that I had um, a gallstone, pretty much half the size of my gallbladder that needed to come out. So in September of 2019, I had my gallbladder removed. Things weren't too bad there for a while. I did undergo a couple more exploratory surgeries, upper GI, lower GI, all that fun stuff. However, in May of 2020, those dang kidney stones reared their ugly heads again, um, and I ended up having to have uh, surgery for kidney stones on my left side. That was great until three weeks later when I got to have another surgery for the kidney stones on my left side. Uh, So that's right. If you're counting, I've now had four kidney stone surgeries. Hypercalcemia is no fun. Hypercalcemia is enjoyed by no one. I can promise you that. Um, I made a little rhyme. Um, Also, they can't figure out why I have hypercalcemia, and I can promise you I've gone to every specialist and had every lab drawn that they can possibly think, and I get told I do not present normally. Um, My most recent surgery was August of 2022 when I had a bilateral prophylactic nipple-sparing mastectomy. 
um, which was also with direct to um, reconstruction with expanders. That was a pretty rough surgery, and I'm going to say out of all the surgeries that I've listed, um, and this is my 14th um, that we're at at this point, um, this is by far the very, very most trying, most difficult surgery that I underwent. Um, The tubes and drains were horrible. Um, I would probably still have nightmares about them if I thought if I even put any thought into it. Um, the expanders were pretty much torture. I don't mind admitting that. I ended up getting even more neuropathy in my left arm due to them. However, I do not regret my choice, and I would do it again in a heartbeat, just so everybody is aware of that. Um, then this past December, actually on December 23rd for Christmas, I like to say I got my thubes, fake boobs. So I underwent reconstruction and I have the under the muscle with silicone implants. I'm very happy with my um, reconstruction outcome. However, you can tell by just the list of surgeries alone that I've had to spend my fair share of time in doctor's offices, in labs, in imaging facilities of all sorts. I've had some good doctors and I've had some very bad doctors. Um, Going back to being diagnosed with the um, ovarian cysts when I was 15 years old, um, that was pretty bad and it was not enjoyable, obviously at all. Just the internal ultrasound alone is traumatizing to a 15-year-old if you have no idea what's going on. I highly suggest that if you are an ultrasound tech and you are doing a diagnostic internal ultrasound on anybody under the age of 18, that maybe you really have a better conversation about what you're going to be doing to a person because I can promise you that can feel very, very violating, especially when nobody talks to you about it beforehand or after. Anyway, that doctor is a doctor that I saw for a long time. So even though I had gotten married, moved to Oklahoma, had some children and moved back to Florida, um, I had the same gynecologist um, that I had had when I was 15. And I was having and experiencing a lot of problems. And when I went to her, she even told me that, you know, I needed to lose weight. And if I lost weight is when she would do any exploratory um, surgeries or tests. Now, I was absolutely miserable in being looked at and told that I needed to lose weight before anybody would do anything to help me was humiliating. I mean, that is just humiliating. Um, I did end up having to go doctor shopping, um, to say the best word for it. Um, I did find another wonderful um, gynecologist that did urology also, and come to find out that I had um, interstitial cystitis, and I had to be treated for one year for what is basically hamburger meat of the bladder. Now, my other doctor just wanted me to lose weight. So you can imagine trying for all that time to go to this one doctor that was just neglecting me and neglecting my feelings. Um, But once again, I myself figured out that this was not working for me 
and I found another doctor. So if you are going to a doctor right now that you feel are, is dismissing you, find another doctor. I'm begging you, find another doctor. I have an aunt that followed the advice of her doctor that her cough was nothing, and now it is a very serious condition, and um, she has a very short life expectancy, but she'd been ignored and brushed off for a long time. So find another doctor if you know you are not feeling right. Anyway. After the interstitial cystitis was resolved, I was still having some problems. Being a female, I was going to female gynecologists at the time because I felt that that they would be the best ones to be able to understand what I was going through. However, trying to explain what was going on with my periods, they were very dismissive also. So I actually found another doctor, Dr. Christinger, which he goes by Dr. K, and I want to put it out there for everybody. I am dyslexic, and I spent years and years in speech therapy. I have a hard time pronouncing certain things, so I do apologize if I say anybody's name wrong. I'm quite certain Dr. K goes by Dr. K because of that. But Dr. K finally listened to me. Um, I tried to have an ablation. However, I ended up having a failed ablation. Once again, that beautiful cervix of mine. Um, And so at the age of 36 is when I underwent the partial hysterectomy. When I had the hysterectomy and my pathology report came back, it showed that I not only had endometriosis, but I also had anomyosis, which meant that, and I'm sure I'm saying that wrong, so I apologize if I am, but basically the muscles of my uterus were also inflamed. And that is what was causing so much of my pain. And the only way to diagnose this is by a hysterectomy. And the only way to get that is to have so much pain that they have to remove your uterus, which for years I've been complaining about major pain and I'd been ignored. And once again, being validated that there was truly something wrong with me and I wasn't crazy, it wasn't just normal periods, was exhilarating. Um, Also, I had had um, chronic UTIs and chronic um, yeast infections for years and years, which by the way, resolved itself once I had the partial hysterectomy. I fought for years and years since the age of 18 with chronic urinary tract infections and yeast infections that they'd give me antibiotics, diflucan, antibiotics, diflucan, antibiotics, diflucan, and removing my uterus solved it all. Once again, just another example, if your doctor is not listening to you, please find another doctor. You know what is going on with you. It's advocacy. You have to learn to be able to stand up for yourself and say, this is not right. Um, I'm going to give you another example right now is going through all the fun of being diagnosed with a chronic illness during COVID. You can imagine it is very, very difficult to get specialists. I had a neurologist that I had been going to for quite a while. I had had multiple EEGs with them. Um, They are the ones that diagnosed me with a neuropathy after the um, nerve test. And I've had um, 
had to wear the monitor on my head for like 48 hours, all that fun and exciting stuff, you know. Um, I was going to her. However, she was not sharing my medical records with my primary care. She was giving me information back and I was, to the best of my ability, explaining to my doctor what she was saying because my doctor would ask me, well, what is she telling you? Because they kept asking for records and they weren't getting them. Well, I knew I was unhappy with this doctor and last April I actually asked my primary care if she could please take over the care that I was receiving, which was um, my gabapentin and my muscle relaxer for my muscle restless leg syndrome is what the muscle relaxer is for at night. It's a very mild one. Um, And she said she would, but she needed to get my medical records. So last April we started asking for my medical records from the neurologist. Well, she would not send them over and not send them over and not send them over. So this past December, or January, I guess I should say, um, I switched insurances and this neurologist did not take my new insurance and I had no choice at this time but to get a new neurologist. When I asked for them to send my records over, they told me they would not. So I had to argue with them and let them know that they were my medical records and they required to release them to my doctor so that I could be treated. So once again, I had to advocate for myself at the neurologist's office for them to release my medical records to my own primary care doctor. Well, once my primary care doctor read the results of some testing that I had had done, she had determined that one of the medications that I was on could be contraindicated for people that have seizures and will actually cause and intensify the seizures. Now, my neurologist knew what medications I was on. My neurologist knew what tests was run. However, I, for one year, had been on a medication that was actually causing worse effects because they had not shared that information correctly. So this is why I'm telling you it is so important for you to advocate for yourself. Advocate for yourself, advocate for your loved one. If you have a If you are lucky enough to not have had a special person in your life, if you are lucky enough to never have had to fight for somebody's basic right, um, I I, um, am going to tell you you're living a very charm life and that is not the life of most people. Please look around. Please open up your eyes and open up your hearts. Another thing that I'm going to ask here for the advocacy is there's a lot of really bad churches out there that are really far right, pushing a lot of really crazy propaganda. And I know there's a lot of really great churches out there that are fully inclusive, fully affirming. I need you guys to be louder. I need the patrons of those establishments to be louder for everybody, for the LGBT community, for the special needs community. You don't even understand what this bathroom bill that they're doing in Florida, the repercussions of it. Think of you as a 40-year-old mother that has a, let's say, 16-year-old Down syndrome child, and they require special assistance going to the bathroom. You're female, your child's male. In the state of Florida, you could have a felony now for taking that child into a bathroom with you, is what they're trying to 
um, put out there, people are not realizing you have to take a stand for everybody. It's not just the LGBT. It's not just the black and brown. It's all the marginalized. Please, please take a stand. Please be an advocate, even if it's not affecting you. Open your eyes if you're a small business and see, look around. Do you need to add extra bathrooms? Are you going to have to add a person? Do you hire a person to escort special needs people to the bathroom now? Like, what do you, what do you do? I mean, as a nurse where most of our caregivers are female that have male patients, what, what's going to happen to them when they have to go to the bathroom and have to have services out in public? Are you saying they're not allowed to now? I'm not understanding what these crazy bills are doing. I don't think you do either, but please, please advocate for them. Please advocate against them, I mean. Please advocate. Advocate for the people that they're targeting because they're targeting everybody. They're basically saying, unless you are quote unquote normal, we don't want you. Anyway, I hope that you've listened to this and understand why advocacy is so important, whether it be in your medical life, whether it be in your personal life, or whether it be in your spiritual life. Until next time, please don't forget to LOL, live your life out loud. Thank you. Bye. Life doesn't always allow us to laugh out loud, but we always have the choice to live our lives out loud. So until next time, don't forget to LOL, live out loud. If there's things that you would like to hear me talk about, please let me know because I am here to help you learn to live your life out loud too.